Welcome to another sermon podcast from Central Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. This episode will feature a sermon delivered by the Reverend Shannon J. Kirshner. The sermon is based on scripture from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Central Sunday morning service for the 17th of December, 2023, the third Sunday of Advent, was streamed to our website, our Facebook page, and our YouTube channel. A complete video or sermon audio replay of this service may be found on cpcatlanta.org, select the upper right menu, and then Sermons Under Worship. Our text for this third Sunday in Advent comes from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 26 through 38. I invite you to again listen for God's living word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. The child will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. When our daughter Hannah was around four years old, my mother brought her a children's book about the birth of baby Jesus. It was a very sweet and simplified version of the Christmas story. Hannah was excited. She loved books, but even more than that, she loved her Nini reading books to her. So they sat down to read it together. The story began when the angel Gabriel came to tell Mary what could happen in her and to her should she consent. The book stated, And when the angel told Mary she was going to have the baby Jesus, Mary was very happy. At that point, four-year-old Hannah stopped my mother. Well, actually, Nene, she interrupted, that's wrong. Mary was afraid. My mother looked back at Hannah with surprise. Well, yes, Hannah, I think you're right, my mother quickly agreed. At first, Mary was afraid. Of course, Mary was afraid, but that is not the normal picture of Mary that we're typically given at this time of year. Rather, we usually get what I've come to call nativity scene Mary, the Mary who's happy in the children's book. 
And pictures of nativity scene Mary are usually painted in soft pastel colors. They're commonly rather fuzzy in appearance. She almost always has a covering on her head with a blue robe around her body and a soft, beatific look on her face. One of my favorite Annunciation paintings, though, bucks that trend. It was painted by Simone Martini in 1333. The painting still shows Mary wearing a blue robe, but with one hand in a book as if the angel has interrupted her reading time. Her posture is tense. She's leaning back away from the kneeling angel. Mary's face is etched with fear and grave concern, and her other hand clasps the robe around her in a move that just screams self-protection. She sits on the very edge of her seat, seemingly about to bolt out of the room at the first opportunity. Martina imaginations about what that moment could have been like. Gabriel's announcement to Mary. We see Luke's words spring to life in that creation, but she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. We look at that painting and we conclude like pre-K Hannah did, of course Mary was afraid. An angel appears out of nowhere to tell her that God would like for her to birth the Messiah into this world through her body. Mary is just reading and doing what she normally does. Then all of a sudden an angel interrupts her. Don't be afraid, Mary. But God's about to do new creation in you. Don't be afraid, Mary, but God's holy shadowing will come upon you just as it did over the chaos at the beginning of creation. Don't don't be afraid, Mary, but when this happens, the Son of God is going to be planted in the hollow of your womb. Don't be afraid? That angel was fooling himself. Who wouldn't be afraid? Terribly afraid. Just imagine such a meeting. Don't be afraid. Frankly, simply thinking about the whole thing makes me very glad that God decided to put this incarnation plan in motion way back then with Mary. After all, as we usually picture her, we assume Mary could handle it. Think about all the adjectives we use to describe her. Pious, holy, set apart, devoted, blessed. Yes, if anyone could be up for the task of growing and birthing the Son of God, it would be nativity set Mary. Pious, holy, set apart, devoted, blessed. Someone way out of our league, thank goodness. Our image of her reminds me of the Madeline Lingle's poem called After Annunciation. This is the irrational season when love blooms bright and wild. Had Mary been filled with reasons, there'd have been no room for the child. I'm not sure about you, but I am certain I would have been filled not just with fear, but with a whole plethora of reasons as to why God's plan was unworkable, irrational even. Can you imagine God breaking into your daily routine with a seemingly impossible call for your life? Can you imagine God wholly shadowing you, causing some kind of new creation to be born in you? Can we imagine God doing something like that here, having the audacity 
to plant new life in the hollow of this congregation. It might be terribly frightening. We could have lots of reasons as to why it could not be. Besides, we have too many things to do. Chaos is not fun to endure, not even holy chaos. We don't like things we can't explain or control. Being open to that kind of God interruption is a job for Nativity Set Mary, not for us. Honestly, we have so little in common with Nativity Set Mary that we Protestants don't even think much about her unless it's this time of the year. We really only hear portions of Mary's story today on Joy Sunday, as well as on Christmas Eve when we pull her out of the nativity scene box, unwrap her, look at her for a bit, and then wrap her back up and put her away until the next Advent season comes around. We have so little in common with the Mary of our nativity sets, the Mary of those children books. And yet, as we ponder this text together, I'm not convinced our version of Nativity Set Mary, the Mary of children's books, has much in common at all with the Mary of Scripture. As a matter of fact, I wonder if our version of Nativity Set Mary is contradictory to the Mary in whom and through whom God decided to work. Frankly, I've been wondering if we're the ones who've helped to create Nativity Set Mary the model of perfection, of beatific calm, of no blood, no sweat, no tears, because it feels much safer for us if Mary is drastically different than you or me, out of our league, a person much more competent and worthy and holy, a woman who's way more capable of courageously responding to God's call than we could ever be, as people filled with lots of reasons as to why God could not choose us and would never want to use us. But might it be, though, that when we do that, when we transform regular, ordinary, biblical Mary into nativity-set Mary, we miss most of the promise of the Incarnation. When we do that, when we create this distance between Mary and us, might we imperil the actual miracle of seeing that God decided to become a real, live, flesh-and-blood person through the body of a real, live, flesh-and-blood young woman? After all, the Gospel writer of Luke seems to go out of his way to point out that the Mary we encounter in this story was really no one special, at least no one more special than anyone else. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. That's the only introduction we have to Mary in the Gospel of Luke. We are simply told she was an engaged young woman who lived in Nazareth. We know nothing of her family's history. We can assume she still lived in her father's house, but we don't know who her father was or what he did. We really don't know anything about her faith or her piety pre-angel. All we're told is that she was a young, unmarried, peasant woman who lived in Nazareth and who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Frankly, unlike Nativity Set Mary, this Mary of Scripture seems to be a regular, ordinary person just like you and me. 
And that revelation is precisely part of the startling news of this text. It was to this regular, ordinary girl named Mary that God sent the angel Gabriel with a perplexing message. Greetings, favored one, he began. The Lord is with you. Notice Gabriel does not say, greetings, favored one. We've been watching you from up there. You've passed all of our mother of God competency tests. No, Gabriel doesn't offer us any reason at all, any reason for God's choice of Mary. He simply appears, brings greetings, and promises God's presence in her life. And then, before Mary could even catch her breath, Gabriel quickly revealed just what that favoring, that choosing of her by God meant for her life. And regular, ordinary Mary heard phrases like, Holy Spirit, and overshadowing, and bear a son. That was a lot to take in all at once. Even Gabriel must have known it was a lot to take in. That's why he began with, don't be afraid. And it's precisely at this point of her story, right in the middle of this strange, angelic encounter that regular, ordinary Mary did something that might want to cause us to pack her back up into the box immediately and slowly back away. Because Mary listened to all those words, and she asked a few questions, questions of surprise and wondering, like, how? But then, as soon as the angel reminded her that nothing is impossible with God, Mary immediately responded with a determined willingness a wildly open heart, simply saying, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Honestly, this might be the exact moment when we are quick to restore distance between us and Mary. This might be the exact moment when we begin to say, Sure, she could agree so willingly to smuggle God's love into the world through her body because she was nativity set Mary. She was extra pious or extra holy or extra worthy or just extra not like us. That's why she could say yes to God's crazy call. And yet we have to resist that temptation. We must resist the temptation to sanitize or to diminish Mary's response by making her anyone other than who she was, a regular, ordinary person who, when called by God, stepped out in courage and with deep trust that God's presence really was with her and that the holy presence would be enough to get her through whatever God was asking her to do. Was she afraid? Yes. Did she understand exactly what was being asked of her? Probably not. Could she comprehend, could she explain God's creation process of holy shadowing in her womb? Highly doubtful. But did she reach through all of that, empty herself of all the reasons to say, no, not me, and decide to trust that the Lord really was with her, then opening herself up, indeed opening her body up to God's audacious plan of birthing the good news into the world through God with us, the baby Jesus? Absolutely. So might it be then that we, regular, ordinary people like Mary, 
are also invited to become pregnant with God's possibilities for our own lives, for the life of this congregation, for the life of our world? Might it be that we, regular, ordinary people, just like Mary, are also called to be deliberately open to being God-bearers, gospel-carriers, irreplaceable participants in God's work here and now where we live and serve? Absolutely. Meister Eckhart, a 13th century Christian mystic, speaks our invitation with these words. The incarnational labor pains began in Mary, but continue inside each one of us. The Spirit unites our flesh with the one who created and continues to create us. In other words, while neither you nor I are going to birth the Savior into the world, you and I are invited, interrupted, beckoned into listening for God's seemingly impossible call for how we might participate in God's new creating in our lives, in our city, in our world. Whether that call comes on the wings of an angel or out of the mouth of a friend or a stranger. And even when that call fills us with appropriate fear or questions of how or with startling surprise, we, like regular, ordinary, biblical Mary, are also invited to reach through all of that to decide to trust that the Lord really is with even us to empty ourselves of all the reasons why it could not work and to be open for God's audacious plan and claims on our lives and on all of life. For birthing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ into this world is an ongoing project. It may have started with Mary, but it did not end with her. For we worship a God who does not change the course of history through earthquake, wind, and fire, nor through perfectly pious caricatures of humanity. Rather, we worship a God who changes the course of history through regular, ordinary people like Mary who get called. Furthermore, regular, ordinary people like Mary, like you and like me, who then respond to that call with, yes, let it be with me, let it be with us, according to your word. People who say yes, trusting that the Holy Presence will be enough to get us through the labor pains. People who say yes, trusting that Gabriel's words are true and that nothing is impossible with God. People who say yes, trusting that God uses regular, ordinary people to announce God's wild and all-encompassing love for the world, a love that was birthed into the world through regular, ordinary Mary, and a love that continues to be birthed in and through us until all the world is new, new creation, as startling and as irrational as that promise might sound. So on this third Sunday in Advent, here we are, servants of the Lord. Let it be with us and in us and through us, according to your word, ready or not. Amen.
We are glad you joined us for this podcast from Central Presbyterian Church. Central is a welcoming congregation of the Presbyterian Church USA located in downtown Atlanta across from the state capitol. For more information about the life, work and ministries please visit our website at cpcatlanta.org. We also invite you to join us for worship and Sunday school and experience this exciting and diverse body of believers who seek to be bearers of God's justice in the world. Thanks again for listening.